so Solomon Gray is a UK-based uh, musical duo comprised of Tom Kingston and Joe Wilson. Uh, while they're known for their unique electronica soundscape as songwriters, the duo have focused on their work as composers as well. Solomon Gray was behind the BBC HBO miniseries adaptation of J.K. Rowling's uh, The Casual Vacancy. They also composed a score for the thriller Gozo. Uh, today I'm speaking to one half of the duo, Mr. Joe Wilson. Uh, Tom could not uh, be here today, but Joe, thanks so much for speaking today. It's such a real pleasure. No problem. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, to so to start, I love to ask composers. Uh, so you know why why they followed the calling to music. So what does music mean to you, um, and why did you pursue that path? And I guess at what point did you and Tom form this collaboration? Well, um, I mean, I didn't. Neither my I, I grew up with my mother and my stepfather, mm -hmm. and my uh, no one really in my family was they were passionate about music, but no one really played music. And my stepfather, um, I think my mum met him when I was probably about one or two, uh, was absolutely passionate about jazz and classical and funk and soul, and had a record collection that kind of spread from one side of the house to the other, and um, and loads of tapes as well. He used to give lectures on jazz and. Um, and and classical music as well and i kind of i because he was my you know he was my, one of my parents and when i grew up he was a father figure and mm -hmm. he kind of passed that on to me and and tom had a similar sort of background his although he was he was playing at a much earlier age than me um I was playing quite a few little instruments but not very not in depth and tom was playing piano and trombone at quite an early age and uh, a bit of guitar as well but his father played bass and um yeah i mean it's normally your parents record right so i think um tom's dad was really into robert wyatt and kind of i think they had quite a lot of off-kilter kind of weird avant-garde music in their house and mine was kind of and then uh, we met up when we were about Tom's a tiny bit older than me, and um, we both met in Oxford. He was at university there, and I was at school. Oh wow! There, and we, um, I ended up doing an audition for a covers band. Um, it's kind of, you know, I think I'm sure it's exactly the same out there. You know, you you get a covers band together, and you can make a tiny bit quite a good wage right. by doing yeah. all the balls and all the, you know, weddings mm -hmm. and things like that. And especially in Oxford University, where there's just about so many different universities to juggle when it's ball season there's just loads and loads of gigs and you can make about 100 150 a gig wow. uh, so tom I, I auditioned for that band that had been going for a bit it was like a 10-piece funk and soul band and uh tom was playing keys there and we got on really really well and this is ages ago this is like probably about 15 years ago wow. and um and yeah we both sort of shared a a common kind of ambition and we're both very ambitious and really really wanted to start you know at least trying to write and see what came out and I think we started doing drum and bass and hip-hop at first um because that was that was cool and <laughs> as far away from middle class as we could get <laughs> and uh and yeah I mean you know it kind of it was not intense from that period on like we had lots of years where we weren't working and if you read about read up about the storyline you know there were lots of times when tom was in another country and i was here and or um you know we went through periods of not writing at all and probably about maybe six five years ago we started writing for solomon gray wow and um and yeah 
And is that, yeah, that's kind of the story of how we got together, really. So at, at what point did you decide to try your hand at film composing? Was it something that you both wanted to do? Did it just come up kind of later and like, oh, this is something that we really connect with? Like, how did it kind of come into your guys' career? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I've kind of had a bit of a history with it anyway. I love, I'm absolutely passionate about it. I've had a long, long period of time where I've been, you know, I'm very interested in film music. I mean, right. Tom is as well. But I think specifically Gozo came along from some of my contacts and we kind of, we took on board that kind of uh, thriller sort of film and, and, and found out that we could write quite quickly to, to picture. And, but I think it, I mean, we're both really into Vangelis and we're really into sort of um, electronic uh composition and then also the classical side and we hadn't really used some of our skills in the classical side of of work as much because of the pop music and you know i mean there is loads of you know um theory-based stuff that goes with the pop music but not big string arrangements to a point i mean there is quite a few on the album but um especially some of the sounds that we've started to use with composing. We just hadn't had the license really, or right. we felt like we didn't have the license. Um, and then we did this, uh, Dahana EP for tourism Island, which was, a uh, a soundtrack to the wild Atlantic way. And that just kind of opened up a load of, um, ideas sonically for us. Um, I don't know if you know the story, but it was basically, we got a phone call about, um, the Wild Atlantic Way is this longest coastal road um, in the world, actually, and it and it goes right across from the northwest of Ireland all the way down to South Cork. And we'd written a bit of the album out in what they call the Teardrop of Ireland off the southwest coast, um, where I grew up a little bit of my a little bit of my childhood I spent there. And um, I think they liked what we wrote and they liked the story that we'd been there and we'd kind of finished the journey there as well. Um, um, and it tied in with what we'd done before. So anyway, we ended up doing this and uh, traveled the whole way down, bringing a portable studio with us and writing with local people and wow. recording local sounds. And and that was our first kind of foray into, uh, into composing, really. Um, and it was it was amazing. I'm actually I'm really I think I've been thinking about it a load recently because I'm I'm in Belfast right now, and um, we're actually I've just met up with some of the people that we did the project with, and it was great. I mean, not to get too earnest about it, but it oh, was it lovely. Amazing, yeah. It oh, sounds... it was. It was incredible. Like it's one of those few things. Like I can't believe I got to do it. Like they were lovely people, you know, and um, and to meet local musicians. I don't know if I don't know if it's fair to just put them all in the bracket of folk, but yeah. you know there was like um, local kind of Irish singers, and uh, the instrumentation was a bit different, well, very different. And we just don't have that in Britain. And you know, I I don't know um, what uh, the outside world thinks of British <laughs> heritage and sort of British music, but actually we don't have that connection through our youth with like old, uh, ye old kind of music as right, much as they right. still do in Ireland. You know, like you have you have a pub which is just full of uh, 60 to 70-year-olds all listening intently and dancing and, and, and drinking and watching 18-year-olds playing their old standard 
folk tracks. It's incredible, and it's still passed on, and it's still very. They're so proud of it. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off the track a little bit, but <laughs> no, this, this experience was amazing. So and and like using a, yeah. it was it was just so different, and we we used that um, we used that and 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 the way that we worked to create a kind of five track EP. Anyway. <laughs> I've completely gone off the track, but no, that great. was that. That was the first thing that kind of put us put us in an area where it sounded a little bit more like soundtrack or composition. Right, or, right. And there were some vocals on it, and um, but that specifically, I think Johnny Campbell, the director of the Casual Vacancy, had heard and was intrigued at a the the, the way that we'd worked about it. Because I think that was kind of our, oh God, it's so hideous talking about it as a selling point, but it's different. You know, it's a different right. way of working where you go, I want to go to the, I want to go to the locations because the locations, it was incredible. A, getting out of the studio is just a blessing because those dead, those rooms with the, the air con <laughs> just channeling just the most horrible air. <laughs> over and over again and you're just staring at the screen and you're going why won't it work and you're screaming <laughs> at the computer and then finally you get this moment where you're like why don't we go out and record some stuff i don't know it sounds a bit wanky no let's just do it and you're like okay fine so you get you you go to the locations and you get a bit of a feel of the area and a feel of the kind of um i don't know both both times we've done this we've had a bit of history there anyway just because in ireland i'd been there as a child and right. and for the casual vacancy we'd been in um my my auntie and uncle are from the area where it was filmed and so spending time in location before it's shot uh using field recordings of the area so for ireland it was lots of the sea the waves uh, the um the caves the speci specifically the reverbs acoustics in, yeah. in the caves those recordings um and then local musicians and uh i mean obviously you have to be you have to be careful what you record but there's always especially with folk music it's ridiculous they're just so giving um and uh so you get those recordings and those experiences and then also just the traveling around just gives you so much of a kind of we always try and get a transient kind of quality in what we write or it just is there anyway right. and when you're traveling around these places you get a real kind of movement-based tempo to things and a, a kind of a filmic quality to it anyway because of you know the, the the kind of pace or the the pulse for film that's you know flowing towards a storyline, and um, and those were kind of and also we we were really interested in working before picture. Um, yeah, that's very unique, and I and I and I really love that how that I love music that kind of originates before picture because I think that music, um, you know, influences picture at least from my standpoint, you know, and then I think that should be the case every time i know it can't be because of scheduling and everything yeah. but it, it's really oh, totally it's amazing that way well i just like i think that some of the early like not early but earlier films in my life definitely like scorsese and people they were using tracks that worked on their own right and they put it to picture and that's what was so magical about it you what right. you know of course it's going to work of course it's going to work because this song on its own stands and means something and has a whole thing going on even before you put it to picture and to make the thing just work to that picture and when you take that picture away it seems a bit empty i, I don't know it just if you have that possibility to try and write something that you're happy with already and has a captured a moment and uh has meaning to it and it's like a fully fledged you know 
thing, I guess, then yeah. then you're already off to a winning. And also the the just the kind of language you have with the director when you've done that already. I always think um, when someone hears the growth of a tune, it's, it's it was quite weird for us because we'd never obviously had anyone. We'd been so protective over our music before we did anything like this. Mm-hmm. And to suddenly have a director listen to demos and say, oh, that's great. I'm not really feeling that as much. You know, God, you feel really exposed. But it's... Um, it's brilliant because they're still on, they're on that journey, A, with the music already, and B, they're kind of, they're filming and editing and, and, and that is already in the language of what they're making. You're not trying to replace the, you know, the... The temp track, yeah. The, the temp track <clears throat> mm-hmm. at all. You're not trying to replace Tavener, which you never can. You're not trying <laughs> to replace, you, you just can't do that. You're, you're, you're already, you've already got a kind of language with each other, which is brilliant for the i mean it means a lot more work though yeah you basically have to you basically have to give an editor like really high quality demos and give them to them enough in advance for them not to uh, for them not to um sort of not know them well enough and have an identity with them um but the brilliant thing about that is is that you kind of you kind of give up that that ownership of where and what that tune means within the story mm-hmm. which is amazing because you go you know i especially when we were writing before we'd seen anything you know there were moments that you're like oh my god yeah of course that that's that moment in the <laughs> in the story oh this is that and then in fact when we started handing them to them the director said can you stop naming them things that might tie in with that moment because <laughs> there's such a great bit of you know uh, improvisation not improvisation like creativity in in putting it up to completely different areas of the story right right so then we had to give real generic names to everything and um and and then you'd find these pieces that you'd written about completely a different moment in mind or a, a completely different kind of emotion and it was put against something else. You're like, oh, God, that's bold. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it started to work. It was great. You know, um, it was really freeing. And it's just brilliant to have that kind of back and forth and not to just work completely where you are and go, yeah, no. And then go back to the drawing board. Yeah, no. Right, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's all building up to each other. Um, so, so when you're, you're, you're writing the music and they're, you're pretty much kind of giving them to the editor and the director and they're kind of... Uh, I guess making the score connect to the picture. Because uh, you, 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 do you ever write to picture at all for casual vacancy? Yeah, you have to when it starts. When it starts getting more picture locked, okay, and things are getting juggled around, and also especially with something like you know we're still getting to grips with how much music you have to write, and right. there's still so many gaps as well, and yeah, things yeah. like that. But you, the kind of playing is a lot more open. You're just not so. You're not so. You're not so rigid about notes because you've already started like that and they're not so rigid. Um, and we ended up using quite a lot of our own music as well that we'd written before. So we gave them a load of stems before it started because I was watching, I think I might have misremembered this, but in, you know, when you, uh, have you seen Her? I actually have not. It's one of the movies oh, right. that slipped by me that I, because I love Spike Jones, but I didn't see it. Yeah. Well, it's brilliant. It's great. But I, obviously, Okay, fuck, they like you know right, right, yeah. when Butler did the soundtrack, but then there's also Supersymmetry off their latest albums in it as well. Mm-hmm. And it, I kind of, I found it really. Tom and I talked about it a lot, and we found it really interesting that you can have an identity within the whole piece, which is 
oh brand is hideous but you know it's kind of your music and then also you interweave your music as a band as well right right and whether that i mean johnny especially with the casual vacancy had was really a fan of our music as well and was interested in us really kind of um a categoric ownership of all the music mm-hmm. within the piece and so when we first gave them everything we gave them all the stems from all our music as well some of the in some of the synth tracks could work on their own or uh, maybe some of the string lines can work on their own and they used it and they started interweaving that as well so although it's a complete minefield of rewriting <laughs> certain bits of our of the of our album or releases it started it was weird it started to i mean we wrote everything Thing. like i think there's there's obviously there's some for the casual vacancy there is some temp tracks but not that many at all like we were we were so specific we were writing music that happened in the other room <laughs> that's how ridiculous it got like we were we were playing the music that the twins were listening to in the room next door which we'd written it like we tried to write something really sexy and and kind of uh overtly uh, you know i suppose young girls finding out about boys and sex and puberty and things like that mm-hmm. while this couple were losing all the sexual kind of drive in their relationship and we thought oh right well let's write that so the girls are next door are gonna go wow yeah <laughs> this is and listening to really sexy kind of d'angelo deep like new wave kind of music or and then this couple were having this conversation where they were like come on i want to have like where is it where is it come be a man be a man and that was quite fun you know start playing with the storyline that way so then we started playing music on documentaries on TV and 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 some of the classical kind of nuances of British heritage music. Wow! Music, you know what we're what we're what you think we should be listening to and putting that on the and it's just great fun. I mean, God, it's so much more work. <laughs> it really is, but it's so much more fun because you have you just have so many different aspects of the storytelling that you can start to dip into. You can do what the characters are listening to. You can play with, I guess it's like, if you're thinking about it in theatre terms, it's like fourth wall and all that stuff. Right, you yeah. just get a little bit deep. Um, God, I'm going on so much. Sorry. Oh, no, no, this is so interesting. Cause <laughs> I, I, haven't, I... I haven't talked about it for ages. <laughs> and I kind of, it's like, it's I, we're both really, really passionate about it. And I guess we're so early on, we're still wet, you know, we're, we're still newbies. So there's still that sort of, excitement about it i'm right. sure i'll be completely weary and, and not <laughs> and be monosyllabic in about a few years <laughs> where i explain how little money there is in it and i hate it but <laughs> but I, it's it's great fun it's just really lovely when you work with someone who's genuinely really excited about it and up for collaborating i, I mean it just um, it just sounds like the most the way you're talking about it it's just i would never <laughs> have thought this process would have been applied to you know a three-part miniseries and it just sounds <laughs> You know, I mean, it's incredible. I kind of wish I was following you guys with a camera and making a documentary. This is oh, come on, yeah, well, we'll do it if we get a job. If you do do that, do you actually do that? I, I do production. Yeah, I mean, I, I you should do that if we do something in. I tell you what, if we do something in America, like we're, I mean, I don't think we've even got representation out there yet. But <laughs> if we do do something out there, like you, you are so welcome to do that. If we if we try and if we try and do the same process. Oh, I would love that. Um, yeah, if you w- if you'd be interested, anyway, look, no pressure. But <laughs> but I just I think it's quite interesting. If it works, it's great. Right. You just need to make sure that it's not re- you're not really overprotective about it. You know that someone's up for doing it, and you can't be too, you know, just 
too earnest about it all. Mm-hmm. Like some things are awful. Some things you do are really bad. You go, <laughs> oh, like I think this might work, and it just sounds awful. But um, right. I'll tell you one other thing that was great is doing field recordings sometimes brings up some really interesting uh, things that you would never have thought about. So we, when, when we, when we first started visiting the area for the casual vacancy, there was like a few tick, you know, boxes to tick, which were sounds of the forest, you know, the birds and stuff, just Mm -hmm. identifying with it. The sounds of the bells, because Stroud specifically Stroud is in this beautiful Valley. And there's about six or seven churches, which have all have their own, kind of bell tolling which sounds completely different but it's so identifiable with the valley and the sounds of that area and then also we wanted to record uh the river which is such a you know important identity within the you know it's its own character within the whole piece and is you know there's lots of metaphors about the river within the whole piece anyway but um we wanted to record that and what else there was like a number of things morris dancers as well we wanted to record morris dancers and we did all of that stuff but Specifically, doing the river was a nightmare. And every time we start, we tried to get a recording, someone would start up their lawnmower again. It was so annoying. <laughs> so then we just we got our recordings. We were a bit sort of deflated by it. And we got back to the studio, and when we listened to it, obviously through the speakers, turning up the low end, it was really ominous. It was like someone had put a, a synth drone underneath it. So we were like, oh, that's great! And so we started cutting and pasting and making it long and putting synth underneath it i think we used to see sat maybe a jupiter and then we started uh putting some cellos underneath it as well and and it became it became a piece within the within the score and not one that we've released but it was so useful to use that and it was so you know it was a it was where they filmed it b the director knew the history of how we got to it and see it was kind of you know it was a little bit inventive it was different and you kind of you just don't you just you get that in different ways in the studio and i i kind of we know those ways and we do you know we have lots of methods to make it interesting and different when we work but stuff like that it's just great it's really good fun and it's it's um it's it's kind of an authenticity to stuff I mean, it's. I, I mean, I, I just it, just hearing you talk about it makes me want to. It's so inspiring. It just wants me to go <laughs> oh, out and make mate, something. It's, it's so. Uh, just love this creative process. I mean, it's the most. Unco- I mean, I didn't. I don't really have to ask any questions. It's so. <laughs> Sorry, I'm rabbiting on. It's only because no, I'm excited. It's, it's brilliant. But Tom. So another thing is Tom's really. Tom's a brilliant um, pianist and keys player, and when we did the Dahana EP, we started using organ, which was it was just really powerful for us because we were really interested in those banks a kind of wall of sound mm-hmm. when you use it was quite it, on the early days when we first started doing it it was a quick way to get a sound that we would not fall in love with but be okay with because mm-hmm. specifically when you're in front of a computer all day and you're trying to come up with stuff sometimes everything sounds awful and there's nothing that can grab you emotionally but when we when we started coming up with the way of putting organ synths on top strings and then you know samples on top you get this kind of wall of sound which tom could play quite quickly and we could both kind of maneuver a chord change into sort of a a way that would it was ple- it was pleasing 
enough to our ears to stick with it for more than 10 minutes right um and when we started writing like that you know things like i don't know if you've heard the dahana ep but like green or revelations from the casual vacancy thing those are those are those are tracks that are written in that kind of way so you kind of bank up a load of different things and start playing chords with them and it has such a powerful i don't know it's a bit 90s but it's also classical in the way that it's it's so rich um and then we started using uh we were like we hit the studios opposite a church (laughs) and uh I, i went over there and met father will who was really lovely and very sweetly let us use the um the organ because we were just why not right. <laughs> why not so because yeah. we've got these two we've got these two AKGs which we use for most of our recordings and you can set them up we did it for the Irish project where we set it up in a few places and just got some great recordings specifically in churches and uh and then yeah so we used the church across the road and um and recorded the drowning revelations even the opening theme, which we haven't released yet, um, all in that church. It's just great. It's really brilliant having that kind of... And actually, while we were doing it, we ended up recording a load of other stuff, just putting the microphones in weird places and and using different, um, you know, the, the stops, pulling out different stops and, mm-hmm. and record... Like, we used a ribbon right up next to the uh, pipe so you can really hear the air coming out. Wow. Um, and um, just replaced a load of the stuff that was very dronal and and interesting, but just not 3D. If that's not too a poncy word to use, oh, you know yeah, the no, idea yeah, that yeah. the idea that when we first did stuff with plugins, we were constantly trying to re-record them through um, like amps to give them a kind of a, just a bit of air and a bit of 3D nature to them, and that's kind of what we do with. The plugins that we use, you know, it's so easy to get up a good string sound with Vienna strings and use an organ from from contact or something like that. But as soon as you start replacing those things, it's just all those little things start to make a, a difference. And um, yeah, it's just great. It's just a lovely way of. Uh, I think we're really really happy with with making those decisions early on, which is like, oh god, what you want to record the real thing? Oh no. <laughs> That means like we're gonna to have to have a day out, and we have to do that. And then now it's just great. It's like it's part of the it's part of the method, and we've we've you know, it's only in about ten years when we get really difficult about it. <laughs> and it has to be it has to be the organ in the temple church in the center of town. And we have to pay ten thousand dollars to use it. You know all that stuff. Um, that's when it's gonna get ridiculous, and I'll start wearing really ridiculous high collared clothes and a silly hat and pointy <laughs> shoes and I won't ever laugh <laughs> again. Um, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. I mean, it's, it just, no, the way that you talk about it, it's just such an organic way of working. And I think, and if some composers are, are, are kind of doing that a little bit and it's not a lot. I know, uh, just the variations of kind of how you described going out, like Marco Beltrami for his score for the homesman. he, he took his entire orchestra out on the hills of Malibu oh, behind his wow. studio, and they recorded outside the whole orchestra. And he set up this uh, 
this kind of pipe along the hill so that the wind would hit the metal and he'd put like the microphones on it and get this like synthetic drone with the wind and I'm like oh wow it's just like see Tom would love that yeah. I wish Tom was here Tom would absolutely love that he'd be like right we've got to do that next. <laughs> yeah, I got I'll, um, I'll send you the video they added a, a verse oh please that's video brilliant. of them working and it's um yeah it's really unique and just here well Christabel have you heard of um oh, I can't remember his full name I think it's Christabel the guy who did Utopia utopia i'm not i'm not sure oh i think uh, so at the moment i think finch is going to be making the series um remaking it but the guy who did it in england uses loads of samples from the actual document the actual show itself Mm -hmm. so you kind of have these weird i mean you know a lot of the time people are really scared of words or lyrics or sung voices in in soundtrack specifically you know like spoken word mm-hmm. but he uses loads of like samples from the actual I th- i'm pretty sure that they're samples from the actual um show itself from the scenes and it's fascinating i mean everyone absolutely loved that over here and I, i'm sure that's why finch has got his hands in it because it's quite an interesting project overall but the music in it was brilliant and he yeah I, I i know that he i mean like there's so many of them that have got so many fascinating ways of working um i keep thinking Oh, like we're doing this, but then there's about four or five other people that have done it for years. Um, but um, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I, I just kind of uh, just maybe one little looking at uh, the casual vacancy. When you guys first started on it, like when you first heard the story, when you first talked with the director, and before you went on your this amazing journey, like what was the first thing that spoke to you guys from the story? Like what I mean, it, it definitely it influenced you to go out there to the locations. But was it the story, the characters, the the setting? I mean, what was really in, like kind of did the first initial creative spark that was like, okay, the music has to be you know, spoken from here. This is where the music is coming from. Like where did it kind of first originate? Well, all three of us are from areas that are pretty much exactly where the casual vacancy is set i mean mm-hmm. um when i say three of us that's tom myself and hamish our manager who all went into that very first meeting with johnny and ruth the producer and we were just really i remember we met beforehand for about half an hour before we went in there and we were just all in exactly the same connection with it we had the same you know we were in the same position that we were we had a real identity to the characters in it we had a real identity to the story the reasons why um it was being told mm-hmm. and um and specifically that it was in that that they were filming in that area and i'd spent so much of my childhood there and tom knows you know all my family that are there and it was basically like look we can get in a car tomorrow and drive there yeah and we can stay at, we can stay at my family's house and we can walk around and we can you know i we already started talking about areas that we could go to record and i just i, I felt like we were really passionate and we really really wanted it like it was a big job it, it is a big job for us you know we're not when we are a band um we we've we've done all right in the past few years but we definitely you know we weren't we want those guys for the for the casual vacancy it was a real leap job and it was a bit of a you know they were uh it was a bit of leap leap of faith on their on on their side but we had a really good meeting and we were really really passionate about it i can't believe we got it and yeah we just and we worked on it for ages as well like we we were involved so early on 
Um, we had to be, yeah, to do this. Yeah, we, we had to this, be, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, you know, that's the thing. I, I don't know, we're going to have to, I'd, I'd love to work like this from now on, but who knows if we can command that kind of... Um, <laughs> that kind of process but it is worth it if someone was if someone was in the kind of if they really loved what we did and they hadn't started filming yet <laughs> there is a chance that we might get to do that again um, right <laughs> but um but yeah just all we were all just really passionate about doing it and and also i felt like tom and i especially were really interested in doing the uh, doing the range justice so being able to write classical music, which is identifiable with our, you know, our famous you know, Elgar and uh, Elgar and Vaughan Williams composers from our history, mm-hmm. and and also on the other end writing music that was either from that kind of area, you know, that's not far from Bristol, which is Porter's Head and and um, Massive Attack and things like that that were so influential to us when we were children, and also, you know, the music that we would that we identify with and the label that we were signed with at that point, Black Butter, which is lots of sort of, yeah, in the track Twilight is kind of a, 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 is a real sort of little, little picture into that, that world, you know, the young vocal, the female vocal, the innocent voice, the sort of electronic music that is really, you know, Black Butter are doing so well at the moment as a label, releasing those kinds of tracks. And to be able to write something like that next to, a classical piece like the drowning which has got an, op- an operatic part to it is just it's really if if someone goes goes for that and lets you do that kind of uh that varied um score then it's amazing it's once you know uh, it's uh it was perfect it was just what we wanted to do right well i'm i mean i'm so happy that you were able to do that that's a uh, amazing journey that I mean it's and thanks so much for sharing it um, but uh, but yeah Joe thank you so much uh, for your time today and, and it's, no problem and it's mate. been a, a real enlightening and an inspiration uh, to listen to, uh, to, your, to your guys story well stay in contact we'll see you when we get out there <laughs>